Well, hello there, my dear children of the apocalypse. How are we doing today? Welcome back to our Doomtime podcast. And my guest today is our first Swedish person, my mysterious Swood, as we'd like to call you back in the day. I mean, we go back, wow, to the beginnings of Wolf and I want to say 2016, 17, 18. And then we sort of both disappeared. I mean, you went your own way. I sort of still lingered around the Wolf and the community. What have you been up to? And um, how's life treating you these days? Um, well, I've, since, since last time I've, I've been up to uh, quite a lot of different things, really. Um, I have, uh, well, for those who don't know me, my name is, uh, Simon. Uh, I am a former War Thunder content creator, uh, but now I am, uh, an officer in the Swedish Marines. Uh, so I've kind of completely just hopped off, uh, that War Thunder path that I was on for a while. Um, but I quit, well, I say, I say quit, but I, I pretty much quit War Thunder, I would say 2019, um, due to a lot of different reasons, really, but the main one being uh, going back to the military. Um, and ever since 20, about summer of 2019, I have been uh, in the in the Swedish military and have been doing that full time, more or less. Um, and I've just been staying busy with with doing doing my job and 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 uh, training and working out. So, uh, a very long story short, but. Uh, Basically, my entire life right now revolves around uh, my military profession. So that's what it is. Fantastic. How much would you say has your professional, the choice of profession, been impacted by Waltham? How much has the game sort of, um, you know, given you the interest and, and with the love of tanks, planes, infantry, stories of history and so on? Uh, I would say originally it hasn't affected it that much, but it... Um, because a lot of inspirations come like internally initially. Um, so uh, way back when, when I first applied, because for me, the military has always been somewhat of an obvious choice. Um, but um, when I when I started doing my military career back in 2015, um, I didn't really know too much about War Thunder, but I was still like interested in all kinds of military uh, FPS and military games in general. And then I stumbled across War Thunder and, you know, obviously my, my uh, my interest for for that kind of game just like shot out the roof because I'd played World of Tanks before and that was fun. But then I tried this War Thunder game and I was like, wow, this is awesome. I uh, started playing War Thunder and um, I think how the way that War Thunder has affected me and my my like work or professional life, I think has just um, it, it, it it's more. Um, I think I think it's more of a reverse role that my professional life has impacted the way I I look at War Thunder. Mm -hmm. It's it's kind of hard to explain in a way, um, but I think I, I look at War Thunder more of a game of of tactics now more than what I used to before. Um, obviously, it's a video game; you can't really apply the real world tactics. But now, whenever I do, which is very rare, but when I do go back to War Thunder and try to play a couple matches, I always try to think what I've been taught. And obviously that doesn't work because no one else thinks that way. Um, so I, I would say the, it's the other way around that's been affected uh, more, really, that my professional life has affected War Thunder uh, more than, than the other way around, to be honest. That's a very interesting answer. Um, now... A standard question for me here, speaking to anybody who ever played Wolf in the Riz, do you still play the game and, and why? Um, 
I want to say no, and I and the answer is no. But every once in a while, I go I go on my games list. I'm like, oh, the game is still there, and I I boot it up, and I'm like, oh, this this used to be so good, and I get that itch that like yeah. that big itch. I just want to play a game, and I play one match, and then after that match, I realize this is why I quit. Like, sure, the match was fun, mm. but I have there's nothing in me that's like let's go again. You know, like I I just yeah. get that everything that I searched for before starting to play that specific match, everything I searched for, I got from that match. And then I'm like, okay, I'm done now. I don't have to play this game anymore. Mm. Um, and I don't feel, I don't really feel feel the, the need to play it anymore either. Um, back in the day, you know, War Thunder for me was like, and I'm sure you can relate, it was a drug more or less. Like yes. I needed to log on every single day. Like the, any hour that I wasn't on War Thunder was like, oh man. What 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 am I gonna do in War Thunder today? You know, it was that was the thing uh, that I thought of. Um, but I don't I don't really I don't play the game actively anymore. I might log on maybe like once every three months just to see what's up, and then I'm just like, okay, I'm done. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 an interesting feeling because I think so many people that still play cannot relate to it because I know neither of us could probably relate to it in the moment. Because we were, I mean, if you're not playing it, you were thinking about it. It was yeah. the the rush that I personally got from just opening the game, sitting in the hangar, listening to the to the old uh, soundtrack that we used to have was like, to this day, I mean, if I hear the song, you know, pop up on my on my shuffle list on the phone, I, I just get those like, oh, the nostalgia just flowing through me. Uh, but alas, it's it's not the same anymore, and we we sort of have moved on. Um, yeah. I'm well, I'm 26. I think you're 27. Yes, right. Correct. Yeah, we're moving to that second stage of the twenties and starting to think more about careers and and and, and you know finances and jobs and futures and families. Um, so, War Thunder, yeah, you check it out every once in a while. Is there any other games that you do still sort of get hooked up on? Maybe a single player game that you might play for a bit, or is gaming something you've really left in the past? Um, I don't, I don't think I'll ever be able to properly leave gaming, uh, if I'm being honest, because uh, it's, it's been such a big part of me for so long. I think I started playing video games at like seven or eight, you know, Mario Kart on the Nintendo 64 and stuff like that. Um, but I still do play games. I absolutely do. Um, a lot, I play a lot of FPS games. So like you'll Battlefield, for example, I, I love the Battlefield franchise. Um, I uh, play some of my Nintendo Switch just like to relax in the sofa and the couch. Um, I, uh, what other games do I play? Um, it, it's mostly FPS games, to be honest. I, I picked up Destiny 2 again recently. Um, I've played some MMORPGs like Guild Wars, World of Warcraft and stuff like that. But I wouldn't necessarily say I play it as much as I used to, um, before it was, you know, every single day. But now it's like, yeah, sometimes, sometimes of the, of the week. So yeah, other obligations getting in the way. Yep, Absolutely. I was thinking of questions to ask you and I'm going to put you a bit on the spot because for me, the topic of the army is actually a bit of a, how should I say, I'm a bit torn on the subject. On one hand, I'm of the opinion that, you know, we don't need army, we don't need people that, you know, go into other countries and shoot each other in the face. But then the more I read, the more I listen to to various sources, the more I realize that, you know, one of the most important things that we have and what a country needs to have is, is a way to protect itself and that's where I cannot you know disregard the importance of having a, a an army and a local one how do you view or, or rather how would you sell to me the 
idea of the army? What what has it given you? What do you see it for for Sweden as your country and for the world? The importance. What's your take on that? Oh, <clears throat> that's a big question. It's a very um, loaded one. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, for and this is such a hard hard question to to um, to answer in a way because for me it's always been such an obvious thing mm -hmm. because I have a lot of family history. Um, but for me, it's it's always been about um, it's always been about like like protecting the people around you, not necessarily um, everyone that's like super far away. But for me, it's always been so obvious. Like, okay, the reason I do this is for my family, mm -hmm. or for my for my closest friends, or for my my uh, family that live up north. Um, and and when people ask me why I joined the military, it's usually because of family reasons, uh, because I, if something happens, I want to know uh, what I can do, how I'm supposed to do it and where I'm supposed to do it. Um, and like how I can contribute to a safer society um, and especially being able to protect my family. Um, the whole, the whole idea of, of a, of a, a um, of a military, um, like a military presence. I know for a lot of people, it is a very like, um, what's the word? Um, it's a very um, like, like talked about subject, like a, con like a bit of a controversial subject, because mm -hmm. some people are on the um, on the side that we shouldn't need or we shouldn't have militaries. And the other one is like, we need to have militaries. And it's very hard to usually meet in the middle, unfortunately. Um, but I think at, at the end of the day, uh, there's this quote that goes something along the lines of like, in order to um, in order to uh, have peace, we must train for war or something like, like something along those lines. Yeah. Uh, I can't exactly remember what it is. Um, and there's also this thing called um, mutually assured destruction. Yes. Um, and this was a thing like uh, during the Cold War um, that basically created peace because uh, US and Russia, they were like, if you destroy us, we're going to destroy you. Mm -hmm. And they're like, OK, let's not destroy each other. Yeah. Um, and then that, that's still a thing uh, up until uh, this day um, that uh, obviously like we are more reasonable nowadays, like it's more diplomatic. We talk more, um, but the need to uh, to always have some type of military presence uh, is very important for um, um, what's what's the English word for it to to prevent something mm -hmm. to happening, um, because otherwise you'll be. Uh, you'll be caught in the fire without a fire extinguisher when the fire is already there instead of being ready with the fire extinguisher, even though um, you might not know there's a fire coming. But if it does, you have the fire extinguisher ready. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's always been it's always been a quite obvious, uh, obvious choice, uh, especially considering uh, family situations and stuff. Yeah, I like that quote, which says it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. Right. Yep. And. I like the way that you explained it because what I started viewing and perhaps what started to sway me more into this um, direction of, you know, for me, military stands for discipline. It stands for, you know, what used to be masculine, what used to be uh, protective, what used to be this journey of pretty much every young guy to get, get through to a certain level where he's considered a man. Now, of course, we, we hope that these people won't have to go through too much you know, trauma, like I say, it's preventive. It's not this desire to actually go there and fight. It's it's that if it did come to that, you have somebody to rely on and so your families are actually safe. Um, how ha how do you view this, this modern world, which, you know, has been quite divided uh, as per what 
it is to be a man and what it is to be disciplined and take care of your body and, and take care of proper nutrition because I'm sure that having joined the army and Sweden being one of those uh, countries that I think are very well developed for this, you have obviously, you know, changes a lot from your, your gaming days and probably take care of yourself significantly better. Uh, yeah, I think um, for me, it's never been like... Uh, and it's going to be like such a liberal answer, but like for me, it's never been like a man is this and there's like a list of things a man is. It's always been more like what I as a what I as a person and what I consider myself as and what I want to live up to. And uh, being that of um, like a manly gender, uh, for me, those are like the manly um, characteristics, I guess, in a way. So for me, it's always been about um, protecting those around you. It's always been uh, not necessarily providing like you're the only one that provides, but you are supposed to be able to provide for people. Uh, so say if I'm a family uh, of, of four, um, I want to be able to provide just as much as my wife does. Now, if, if I do more, if I do less, that's fine. But as long as I do something to provide uh, for the family, um, that's that's all in good. Um, but for, for me, it's growing up to become i guess what what you could con consider a man the military definitely helped me especially like with with discipline and and uh, priorities and like under understanding what's uh, what's important in life i get and it sounds very cliche and like uh, kind of haha i i'm smarter than you kind of kind of thing but when when you're out there and and you know it's pouring rain you have nothing like you have barely any food it's you know life just sucks you really realize how like some things just aren't as bad as you make them out to be um, when you have you have food, you have shelter, you have warmth, you have people around you. Um, and I think that has very much helped me uh, to become the person that I am today is the way that the military has helped me change the way I look at things. Um, and I think it does that for a lot of people. And I think that's something uh, a lot of military or um, police or whatever it could be, uh, mountaineers can can agree with me on here is that it, when you're put in hard and difficult situations, it really changes the way that you view your normal life or a normal life, I guess. You start to respect sort of the everyday, I want to say it almost like it's boredom because now, obviously, I've not been in the military. I don't think I ever will be unless it's it's something that has to happen because you know we're going to war, and I'm enlisted. But I spent three years in the professional kitchen. I spent plenty of long hours on the bike saddle, which you know you're going to extreme. You're going. I think most of us we feel like there's a, a limit. You know, the way you, in a car you have a fuel tank and then you have the reserve, and people massively misjudge both how much is in the reserve and when the reserve starts to actually get depleted. And the combination of these two really taught me that, you know, the everyday average life of most of us here in the Western world is pretty good, you know. And like you said, we're well fed, we're clothed, we're not cold, we have places to stay, we have loving families. And this is where I think the discipline and, and the, almost I want to say the preventive trauma that the military or, or, or these types of jobs will teach you I think in the long term would help people not to develop such a high level of perhaps anxiety depression fear because you know I always believe that a strong body means a strong mind uh, I was having this conversation the other day with a friend of mine who's you know he's about as tall as me 
and he weighs, I want to say 20 kilograms less. He's extremely skinny. And he was telling me how he feels a little bit lost in life, you know, and he's got everything going for him. You know, he's got uh, a, a good career upcoming. If, if he just puts his head down, he's got a girlfriend. Things are things are working out for him, but he feels like he's a bit lost and he feels low in energy. He feels empty. And I told him, you know, the first thing I would do if I was you is just literally hit the gym, do a couple of push-ups, just, you know, eat a little bit more. I said, track your intake for one day because you'll be surprised how little you actually consume. And energy has to come into your body from somewhere it's not going to come from from just you know sunshine and rainbows and, and air so did you how much of a transformation did you, did you personally go through when you joined the army um, obviously you're not you know the, the cliche fat american dwelling in a basement playing video games but um you and i, I think both have a pretty similar disposition we're, we're quite tall and we're quite skinny and how did you deal with that um well, for me, I've always been very, um, very aware of my weight because I got um, like super, super short story uh, here. But I got I got bullied as a like when I was in middle school because of my weight. So I've always been super aware of, of my weight. Um, and when I joined the military, um, I obviously saw quite quickly um, the impact that because I've, I've always been very physically active. I've always done sports my entire life, more or less. Um, but when I joined the military, I, I started seeing this this upward going trend where um, the more the obviously the more I work out and the more I eat, um, the the more weight I put on. And it's always been a hard, like a struggle for me to put on weight for whatever reason. Uh, I eat much more than my, my friends do and uh, work out more than what my friends do, but I still don't really gain a lot of weight. So it's been a very uh, rough journey for me to do that. Um, but I realized when I joined the military is that um doing all these exercises and doing all these like very unconventional exercises that you don't usually do and and training your body in ways that you are not used to and putting yourself through those kind of physical challenges um that is for me that's what changed my mind regarding of like how well I can perform um because it, I I wasn't I wasn't by any chance like the biggest guy or the smallest guy in my platoon during basic training um but I realized that you don't have to be the biggest or strongest guy to do those things because a lot of the things that you do in the military are things that you can't really train for in the regular life. So it's very hard for uh, big people, or like when I say big, I mean like big muscular people, um, to come in and and outperform everyone because usually they are the ones that struggle the most because they are used to the heavy lifts, like the the big squats, the deadlifts, the bench press. But usually when you come when you when you're thrown into a military setting, none of those things really matter because everything you do is uh, so extraordinary and so out of place that you are not used to. Um, and it basically levels everyone out like everyone uh, in, in lack of better terms, everyone sucks just as much as everyone else because no one is good at doing anything. Um, and it really um, for me, at least, it really was a positive thing because I realized that you don't need to be that big guy that everyone like thought was, oh, you know, that's the big, the big buff guy, the, the guy that's super strong, that always does well. Um, and I was like, the way that I physically can perform is perfectly fine. Um, now, I was still like very mentally aware of my my physical shape, like the way, uh, like my, my body weight. But I realized that how much I could still perform um, because I, it, it was, I was basically just mus muscle and bone more or less. Mm -hmm. I have uh, barely had any fat on my body. 
Um, and I realized how well that actually gets me and, and uh, how much I can perform due to that. Uh, now, obviously, ever since I started my military journey, um, my, my body weight has been increasing and I've been putting on a bit more fat, a, a more muscle and everything like that. And my performance has increased quite a lot. Um, but my mental, my mental state has been kind of the, the, the same since I started the military with the whole um, everyone is kind of at the same level when you join the military. Um, because everything is so new when you're so stressed out, everything you're so fresh. Um, and it's such a unique experience and a humbling experience for a lot of people. So, I mean, I call that the sleeper build, essentially. I think both of us are quite built for, for endurance, essentially, right? Mm -hmm. The sort of skinny, you know, like I say, skin and bones, essentially, um, and, and a bit of muscle. But what I find is, yeah, I find it, you know, funny with the, the extreme ends of, of fitness training where some guys are so buff they can't even scratch their their back or reach a certain certain point there um for me i found it uh i want to say quite you know it's the beach body essentially you know you start mm -hmm. going to the fitness because you want to look good you want to be able to take your shirt off and people being like oh wow you know uh, for the ladies if not for other other things um but it's interesting to me that you say that your mental state hasn't changed that much which would lead me to believe that you entered with a healthy mindset already that you entered with this baseline which you knew you know that you were prepared for it you weren't entering something that you were unaware you would be able to complete right you went into the army with this kind of big picture in mind and you knew you were going to get through it regardless of what would happen correct yep and that determination probably also led you to not as many would you say you struggled a bit less than everybody else even though the playing field was level How, what, what was maybe like the drop-off rate because surely some people don't finish they just you know throw in the towel they just like quit it after the first week they're like this is not for me i think um for me um so when i when i joined I've, I've joined the military twice the first time i joined the army in 2015 and then i took a break because i moved to america and then i rejoined in 2019 mm. um and so um uh, in, in 2015, our military was all volunteer military. Um, and the drop rate back then was, I wouldn't say it was quite high because everyone joined because they wanted to, um, but it was higher than when I joined in, in 2019 because in 2019, uh, now our military is a, a conscript military. Um, so whether you want to be there or not, you have to be there. Um, but because I signed up um, voluntarily, even for 2019, uh, when I joined the Marines, the, the, the people that are there, they already, the, the, the standard is already quite, or the requirements rather, are quite high to even get in. So the majority of people that do get into the Marines, they are quite fit already. Not everyone, but everyone has the, um, uh, the, uh, the prerequisites to, com to complete the 11 months of military training. Um, but I think what really um, got me through and motivated me and um, I think maybe put me a little bit higher on, in terms of, of uh, my, my willingness to, to do it was because I did it voluntarily. Like I, I know mm -hmm. I wanted to do this um, because I think it was just me and maybe like two other guys that were there voluntarily. Everyone else was conscripted. Um, and I think just the fact that you are there because you want to do something and not because you have to do something, I think that would get you so far in life. Mm -hmm.
like your your own motivation if you can find your own motivation to why you're doing something instead of having someone to tell you to do something um that is going to be uh, your way of, of of getting to the goal 100 percent. that's a wonderful way to put it uh tell me about america i didn't maybe i forgot about this part but so 2015 to 2019 you were in in the united states so uh, from 2015 to 2017, I was working a few civilian jobs. I was working as a teacher at a school. Um, I was working a retail job at an electronics store. And then 2017, uh, me and my family, we moved to America uh, until 2019. Um, and while we were in America, I studied at uh, college. I studied uh, web development, so creating websites uh, and stuff like that. I didn't get very far because the the, the school system in America is very different from how it is over here. Uh, so I, unfortunately, I didn't get very far with what I actually wanted to do. So my first year and a half was just uh, general education, meaning I had to do biology, I had to do math, I had to do uh, science, I had to do uh, art, like all that kind of like, apologize my, my language with all that stupid shit that I really did not want to do. Um, because I, I was there to study web development, you know, I, I, that, that's what I wanted to do. Um, and I didn't start doing that until I was um, in my second year. And by that time, I said, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I, I don't know why I'm here. I have no motivation to do this. The only reason I was in college um, was because I didn't know what, what, like, what else to do. Um, I was in the track team. Uh, it was really fun, uh, like the college track team that I was in. I made quite a good few friends. Um, but I never, I could never find my own reason to be in America apart from moving there with my family. Uh, and that's why ultimately I moved back to Sweden to go back to the military in 2019. Which state were you in? Uh, California. I was in just outside of Los Angeles. Yeah, I keep hearing things about California. I think it was, it might have been Joe Rogan that said it, where it's like, by the time the news of California being golden came to Europe, California was... A shit place essentially now i keep you know seeing san francisco uh, los angeles homeless people everywhere you know just just a disaster and and what was did you notice some of that back then or uh absolutely I, I noticed both the highs and the lows um but i think i think the biggest thing that um that hit me was that like uh you, you will have the world's highest and the world's lowest in america but the majority of people are in the middle the the major the absolute majority of people are um, middle-class people and and somehow I, I don't know how but somehow they make through their day over there as well uh, work maybe two to three jobs each week um, and like when you when you when you speak to a lot of people that live in in California they will like you I'll, I'll ask them why do you live in California because everything is so expensive housing and, and everything is expensive like oh why do you live in why do you live in California like oh the weather is so beautiful and the beach is right here and then you follow up with the question of but how often do you actually get to enjoy that? They're like, not that often. I'm like, exactly. So what's the point? Like, pe people don't tend to to think about some reasons as to why they do things. They just know that there is a reason. But how often can you actually utilize like why you're there? Um, and I think that's one one of the reasons as to uh, eventually my mother and father also moved back uh, to Sweden because they realized it's just not worth it. Um, as nice as it can be when you are. Uh, free from work which is very rare um it, it's just not worth it at the end yeah the combination of, of i mean killing yourself for work is essentially what it is it's, yeah absolutely you know, why would you have a house if you're not going to live in it right exactly you yeah. know, i keep I keep hearing these stories especially from american like influencers and, and these these you know 
rich guys that obviously you know trying to give advice to younger people and they're saying um a house is just to sleep in you know and then you'll see yep. a tiktok of it and it's controversial but to some extent he has a point because i mean mm-hmm. if you're going to work all day you know long and um there was this 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 quote i heard the other day it was in a book you know it said um if you if you don't feel like coming in on on saturday don't bother coming back on sunday you know which is implying that you're going to be working weekends you're going to be working long hours you're going to be sacrificing all those pretty things that as you said the beach the mountains the view you're never going to get mm-hmm. to really experience so yep but it's it's i think it's good for you to have gone through this experience i mean your ha- family as a whole you probably now see America a bit differently. You probably see Absolutely. these opportunities, yeah. and I I would be willing to say you probably love Sweden much more mm-hmm. now, as you see the you have so much nature there. You've got you know all the 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 fjords and whatnot. Um, it, it is a spectacular country. Yeah, I th- I think something that really <clears throat> that really has helped like the family and and me as well um, to uh, like appreciate things like we were talking about before um, is also like. Prior to living in America, I've also lived in in the Middle East uh, for two years, um, in two quite uh, like rough places, uh, both Syria and in Pakistan, mm. um, and and seeing seeing how bad things can really be like, you know, when you live when you live in somewhat of a of a nice country in in Europe, uh, and I'm sure you 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 have seen the same situations in 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 Slovenia, but. Um, you, you think of like, oh, that's a pretty bad situation. Like, oh, we ran out of coffee or we ran out of whatever we ran out of. Oh, this fucking sucks. And you can't buy because the, the store is closed because it's closed at this time and blah, blah, blah. And it's in your current situation. Absolutely, it sucks. That's not what I'm saying. But in 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 comparison to how bad things can really be, um, it's it's not that bad. And I think um, something that really helped me throughout life is knowing how bad things really can be um and then compare it to how bad i'm having it right now mm. without without trying to minimize my uh situation that i'm currently in like i'm still acknowledging okay this situation is pretty shitty um but i also know that it can be way worse so how can i make it like how, what, what can i do to make it better um that like my my childhood um um place that i've lived in combined with with the situations that the military has put me in so far um, those two combined have really helped me put life in perspective, which I can really appreciate. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the worst thing we ever had it here was during Corona when literally we ran out of toilet paper because that was yeah. what died. And when you think about it, it's, you know, quote unquote, pun intended, a shitty situation. But mm-hmm. this problem that, that you're having is actually a luxury in some countries. You know, they would yeah. kill to be, to have your problem. Exactly. And... Yeah, I'm. I'm sure that it put put things into perspective. Um, but I have to ask, how was it for a person as as white as you and I to be in those countries, surrounded by you know, I call them sun um, absorbers because I mean that these I I, I I I do envy these people because I go sit in the sunlight for 16 seconds and I either get a sunburn but I never get a tan. Any tan yeah. I do get runs away. Like, yeah. so um, to live. When I was in, uh, when I was living in Syria, I was at the age of six to seven years old. Uh, so I don't really remember too much from that time, um, but I do remember Pakistan very well. Uh, and Pakistan was, um, it was a very unique experience, to put it lightly. Um, there was a lot of threats coming towards us. Uh, there was a lot of times where 
um, mom had packed our bags because we might like get in, an evacuation order like in just a few moments uh, notice. Um, there we heard shootings, explosions nearby um, almost once every month or so. Um, we weren't allowed to go anywhere without our driver. Um, and the driver was hired by the by the UN. So wherever we would go somewhere, uh, we would call our driver. He was the, the kindest man I've ever met. Um, he was a native native uh, Pakistani, so he knew he knew all the places like where you shouldn't go, where you where you should get your groceries, and and how to get to school and all that kind of stuff. Super nice, super kind, uh, kind man. Um, but we wouldn't go anywhere without him. Even like if we would just go to the local market, which was maybe like a ten minute walk away, we would never go without him. Um, because whenever you were out, you would be stared down by people. Uh, and you never knew if it, if it was just because they haven't really seen foreigners before, uh, if they were just curious or if they were like an actual threat to you. And I think that was the hardest part, especially for my mother, uh, because my, da my dad, he was away uh, so much uh, with work. Um, so whenever we were out somewhere, it was usually uh, my mother and then my three sisters and, my, and our driver. Um, And I think that was the hardest part about it all is like you never really knew which kind of situation you were in uh, with the local population. Um, and even outside the school, I, I attended an American school uh, or an international school, but like American, American led. Um, there were, um, I think the, the, the barricades that were outside were uh, five meters uh, walls, like concrete walls with, with watchtowers, with armed, uh, armed security. Um, barbed wire, um, and there was security like on like on the uh, on the campus going around, um, and you had to go through like a, a school checkpoint like with your ID. You had to you had to show them to the security officer, um, and then you had to pass through a metal detector. Like it was, um, it was um, it like I said a unique experience to say the least. And you're doing this um, on a daily basis, every single day. Wow, every single day. Yeah. I first experienced this. It was it was late last year. I was searching for a new job. And I found this advert, which they were looking for a private chef in the American embassy. And I thought, wow, this is actually a pretty interesting gig. And I signed up, you know, just for fun, essentially. I didn't think they were actually going to take me because I think I'd make for a pretty rubbish private chef. But turns out the family's actually, you know, the, the I think the father and the son were like really avid cyclists. And I thought, wow, I might be able to, you know, sneak in here. I've got good English. Um, and when I when I got there for the interview... I went through this exact same procedure. You know, it's all these security guards, like, you know, put your wallets out and your keys and your this, and you got any weapons on you. I'm like, what the, like, what do you think you came in with a <laughs> knife bag? And yeah, yeah I, I never got the job. Um, never heard back from them actually, but thinking back, it was, it was an interesting experience, but one that I can't imagine if I got the job and they would have to do that, you know, whenever there was a delegation, whenever like constantly going through these checks, it'd be like, it would be pretty stressful. Yeah, um, and that's absolutely. You know, and, and this is in, in my case, it would have been a first world problem for you and, and your mother and your three sisters. This is a situation where it's like on a daily basis, you're surrounded by um, foreigners, which, like you say, you don't know if it's a threat or if it's if it's friendly. Mm -hmm. And um, that that must have been an extremely stressful time for for your family. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think because um, when I was there, uh, I was I was in fifth grade. So what's that like? 12 13 or something yeah. um um and at that time like i said i don't remember much from syria but in pakistan i i remember that brightest day like i i remember um i remember what street i lived in like i i remember what area i lived in like it's i remember what house number like everything is super clear to me um and i remember all my my best friends and everything like that so it's very 
it's still very close to me, even if that was many, many years ago. Um, even though it's it's not traumatizing by any means, but it's very, it's bright as day. Like I, I, yeah. I can clearly remember things from, from that time. Are you still in touch with any of them or? Uh, I wouldn't say I'm in touch with them, but we do follow each other on like Instagram and Facebook. So we, we you know, we kind of know what we're up to, which I really appreciate. Um, and, uh, you know, whenever I do decide, cause I have some friends that live in Canada now, some people live in, in, um, um, so obviously still in, still in Pakistan. Some people live in Germany, France and all that kind of stuff. And I think that by the time, like if I, if I ever go to Canada, I'll, and, and I go to the city that that, that person lives in, of course, I'm going to be like, Hey, do you want to meet up for a coffee or for, for, for food? Um, but I think it's just just the fact that we you you know you kind of know what what you're doing, um, not necessarily day by day basis, but like if someone does something big, they get a new job or they move somewhere, you know, it's like oh, nice. you, you you see what they're up to, um, and I and I can appreciate those those small things for sure. Yeah, I think those small things can can really make a day when you you know I think the the idea of knowing somebody, especially knowing them from from a young ripe age, you know. And, seeing them potentially go through struggles and you see them go through breakups and see them go through through depression or, or anxiety or whatever and then seeing them climb out of it and become better people i think it makes it just makes you happy to be there to to have been able to monitor their journey and if you were able to help them in any way that's 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 even more so absolutely now obviously a lot of people you met through um your travels which I, as i've seen you've done a lot um How's your experience of meeting people through both on that? Because I think that's, I mean, the reason why you and I are sitting here and the reason why other guests are going to be coming on the show and have come on the show is because we've all got something in common. There was this, you know, denominator that, that brought us all together and gave us an outlet to essentially meet tremendous variety of very interesting people from around the world. Uh, yeah, so, uh, like I said, I, I don't... Uh... I don't create worth any content by any means anymore. Um, but even I think the last time, like I properly um, consider myself a worth on a streamer was in 2019. Uh, and that's four years ago. Um, but I still have people uh, that I am in daily contact to this day um, that, you know, I talk to, uh, we play, play other games together. Uh, that's, that has nothing to do with worth under. Um, and, and I think it's so nice that um, even though you might not ever have met a person or, or, or talk to them. You still have, like you said, like the, a common denominator that just brings people together um, as a community. You can you can create so many um, friendships and and, and uh, ways to communicate and do things even outside of that common denominator that you had originally. Um, and uh, I have a lot of a lot of people uh, in my uh, in my old community that I still talk to uh, to this day, um, and I play games with. And I think uh, I think that's. That's, I think it's quite frankly beautiful. I, th I think it's so cool that we can do that in this day of age, um, that you can find people online that you have never met, you might never have spoken to, uh, you've never seen their face, they only know who you are, but you, you can still find time and place to enjoy something together. Uh, and I think that's really cool. Were you able to meet any of them in person? The people you met yes, through? Yeah, I have actually. Um, I actually met Donnie at TwitchCon 2017. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then um, I've also met uh, another person who was visiting Sweden uh, last year. Um, met that person, had a few beers with him, played some games. Um, but uh, apart from that, I haven't met a lot of them, but I've met a few. Um, and uh, it's really, it's really, it, it's strange and it's not strange. Because it's strange meeting the person uh, behind the screen but it's not strange because you've always somehow always knew who that person is. Yes. Like it, it's, it, it's a very strange feeling. 
Um, but it feels very natural at the same time. I think it feels strange for the first maybe 30 seconds, and then it just yep. feels like you've known this person for forever because exactly for me, that was uh, Remy. I'm the first Avenger. Um, he'll mm. be the next up thing I upload. Obviously, this is going to be uploaded a couple of weeks later, but um, it was, I think, two years ago, he you know he messaged me, and he was like, dude, I'm going to come to Croatia, you know, and, and he drove with his car all the way from Germany, and, and we were both kind of nervous, you know, and I'm like, yeah, you can park here, and he gets out of the car, and we're sort of <laughs> looking at each other, and it's just like, bro, like you know, it's yeah. just you just you just know the person inside and out. Yeah. Um, yeah, Donnie, man, can, can we say a few words about Donnie because I'm extremely cool. blown away by by his story and um, obviously I spoke about this how we met. You know, where he was, I guess he was, I don't know, he was shit talking me on stream or somebody <laughs> in chat. You know, somebody jumped into my into my Discord and he was like, "Yo, you know, Orange, uh, there's guys, you know, talking bad about you." And I was back then. I was in the drama mode. You know, I was in the sort mm-hmm. of. I'm. I'm trying to. I was looking for for conflict because I knew it was gonna it was gonna get value out of it. Um, and I don't know what, but that day I was I was feeling kind of kind. I was feeling soft-ish. And I thought, let me challenge him. You know, and I invited him for a game, and then we we ended up, you know, going from supposedly arch potentially arch enemies to being you know best buddies. Mm-hmm. And then he had that journey with with. Pokemon cards, which I just thought, like, what the, like, where did you come up with this stuff? Like, yeah. <laughs> and then I hear the numbers, you know, I hear how much, how much he's making, you know, in one weekend just trading them. And I just thought, this guy's made for it. Um, so, what year did you say you, you met him in TwitchCon? Uh, 2017. 2017. He was, well, yeah. he was still hardcore in Wolf on the back then. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was such a, he's always been such a passionate kid about all the things he's done. Um, yep. which which I so much respect. I mean, obviously he, you know, you could say he suffers from Asperger's, but I think that's actually his his little hidden superpower. Absolutely. You know, I, yeah. I feel like people that have either Asperger, which for those of you who don't know, is a, um, it's a mild version of uh, autism, essentially. Um, you know, there's there's certain things these people have hidden within them, which if they can find, if they can locate that source of, of just it's genius essentially you know some of them are incredible uh, at some tasks they do and there's some wonderful documentaries out there um but of course you know they, they do have certain um they can be i think the the biggest problem is they're overwhelmed sometimes by by sounds noises they get distracted easily um but with donny i'm so happy that he was able to move out of the gaming world into something that is business-like and he can actually make not just a living but he can really build himself an empire um yeah using his true self essentially right which i think is very important like I, I see you have you know the correct values and the mentality to be in the army and i but i know it that you're going to go far and this is this is your career and that that you're going to enjoy it and be made for it and, and do good for the world do good for sweden and i i always am so happy to talk to people that have found you know their correct path where you just know you're you're just going the right direction did you, at any point in the last, say, 10, 12 years, have one of those moments? I've described them as, you know, if you're driving a car and this car is your life and you're on this road and you get to a roundabout. Now, usually a roundabout has about four exits, but this time the roundabout has an infinity of exits. And so you have the option of just spinning around and wasting time, not choosing one, choosing the correct path. Was there ever a moment where you thought, damn, I think I've made the wrong call, maybe I should maybe I should turn around like ever feel lost or like sort of deprived of meaning. And how did you, how did you tackle that? Absolutely. Um, 
moving to America was one of those things. That was one of the most, I would say, like defining moments in my life um, without like trying to exaggerate or anything like, or make something too big. Um, but it's because when I when I moved to America, um, I basically quit my my job. Uh, it didn't work out with my current girlfriend, uh, which, you know, that was one of the worst things that I went through at the time. Um, and when I was in America, uh, I had a very hard time uh, in terms of like social life. Uh, and I, I went down a very, very rough uh, mental path um, in terms of like how like my mental health was. I was in a very, very bad state. I don't want to I don't want to self-diagnose um, anything. Um, but if if I could, I would say that I had depression if I had to self-diagnose. Um, but I, you know, obviously I, I don't want to, but I've, I've said it now. Um, but it, I, I, w I was, I was in a very, very bad mental state. Um, and you know, I wouldn't leave my room. Uh, like I wouldn't talk to, like I was, I was living with my family, but I wouldn't say a word to my family. I, there could be days where I didn't smile. Like I, it, it, I was, I was down bad. Um, and, um, I think it got to the point where I, where I realized what I needed to do, uh, to fix that. Um, which was basically to 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 get more friends, like just just get more friends and all. But but like it, that was that was really what it was because I didn't have a social life. I didn't have people to talk to on a daily basis. I didn't have uh, people that were like minded, that were the same age as me, and and people friends, like basically just friends. I didn't have any friends over there. Um, and moving back to Sweden, I didn't really know it at the time that that was what I had to do. I just knew that I had to get out of the current situation that I was in uh, and moving back to a place that I uh, that I knew I had friends, I had comfort, I knew how things worked, I knew how the system worked, I knew how how everything was working, you know, like the daily hours of the grocery store, like everything, those those simple things mm -hmm. in life and where I had people um, making that choice of going back to that was what saved me, basically, like it was uh, it was. Like I said, a life-defining moment uh, for me, uh, and I'm so happy I took that step. Um, but uh, what led me there was ultimately, you know, the, the hard decision of, of moving in, in the first place. Was the move instigated? I'm going to assume here it was probably your, your father's job, or was it related to that? Was it a, a joint decision? Or, you know, were you sort of <clears throat> interested in doing it, or was it something that was sort of imposed and you was like, well, this is happening, you best deal with it, and, and we'll, we'll figure it out? No, so it it was it was very much a a decision like a family decision to move, uh, because what happened was it was it wasn't a job related thing at all, um, which I, like a lot of people assume that it was, which it's obvious because we moved around in the world because of my dad's job, um, but this was actually because we won on the the green card lottery that the U.S. government holds, ah. um, so we uh, we got uh, like the family we got green cards which is uh, um, like permanent residents but you're not a citizen basically so you can't vote and there's some things that you're not allowed to do but you're allowed to stay in the country work and and study and stuff um, and uh, it was like as we wanted as a family uh, and we talked through it with like in in the family like okay what do we want to do um, and we were pretty much all in agreement that okay we want to try it because if we don't try it we are going to regret that mm -hmm. for the rest of our lives because it's easier to do something and regret it than to regret something that you never did yes. um, so that's it, it was it was as hard uh, as a, of a choice that it was it was a very easy choice absolutely I think that's a very very smart way to look at it and and did you 
I'm assuming you have a home here. Was it what was the process there? Did you just leave it there or sell it? Was uh, we basically we left our jobs and sold it. Oh. <laughs> it was uh, yeah, it was it was obviously it didn't it didn't happen in a day. Like mm -hmm. this this entire process was like a year long. Um, but at the end of the day, we we quit our jobs and and we sold our house and uh, we uh, we got a new one when we got to America. It must have been a, a stressful stressful time, uh, but like you said i mean this this was probably as you look back down the correct decision to make you know mm -hmm. made you a better person uh, allowed i mean this was going to sound weird but it allowed you to go into that state um, i call it i don't think you were depressed right to, to return back to that topic i think no. i think most of the time what we're dealing with is is you feeling depressed right you're you're exerting the the uh, certain of the attributes that you would say somebody is depressed but because um, I always say it this way, I, I, it's an extreme analogy, but you know, imagine your whole family goes in a bus and they're driving somewhere and the bus gets into an accident and everybody dies. That's a really traumatic experience. That is something that I think, you know, there's not a person in the world that wouldn't be you know, depressed from that. Um, but nowadays, you know, we, we feel these moments of depression in which I sometimes say to, to people I talk to, I say, I'm depressed every day. I have a moment every day where I just feel like, this is not worth it. This thing isn't working out for me. Oh, I feel tired. I feel, you know, excuses essentially. And what I know is a, is a complete mind killer is when you admit to yourself that you can't do it, which, which goes back to, to your experience with the army. You volunteered. Some people were thrown into it. And life likes to throw stuff at you, right? Like life is like this really mean, mean person that just like, just, here's have some shit here have a common cold you know here now your your leg's gonna start hurting and it's and you just you're constantly like wow what the fuck you know you're gonna be dodging these objects and, and all these you know diseases and illnesses and pains um and i think that what we sometimes do and what most people do and you know i'm guilty of it i'm sure you're guilty of it at some point is where we give in you know like you said you locked yourself in your room you were you purposefully isolated yourself you went into the comfort zone, essentially, um, into the confines of, of your chamber, we could say, right? And you couldn't get through it until you basically said, well, fuck this, let me meet some new people, let me let me get out there, let me let me socialize. And, and that's where you, you said your life started to, to, to get up, right? Yeah, and I, I completely agree. And I, I think that's why um, I'm very, um, I'm very, uh, like, aware of not like giving myself like the self-diagnose of depression because mm. just like you said i think the feeling i had was like moments of depression but what depression actually means i i can't say because you know it, yeah. it's sometimes different for each person um and that's why i said like i i, I was just in a very very rough mental state mm. like i just didn't know what to do um and that could be like anxiety it could be depression i i don't know but i i you know at the time i was just like i had moments of depression and at times where I'm just like, I don't know what to do. Uh, you know, kind of feeling like hopelessness. Um, yeah. But but then, you know, you just have to figure out what you need to do to get out of that situation. And I think for a lot of people, they, they may never find that. And that's maybe, maybe that's when it comes in, like the depression uh, kind of thing. Like you don't know what to do. And like every, everything you, you do is just not good. What do I know? But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be very, um, um, what's it called? Uh, constrictive when it comes to like using the word depression because I don't want to say that I had because um, I never I, I don't know if I did I understand but, uh, yeah 
you're, you're very polite. You're very conservative with the word. I, I, I'm I'm a little bit more edgy in my ways. <laughs> I refer to it, you know, back in the day, we used to say, get good in, in Wolf and Rasputin, oh, yeah. you know, because people would complain <laughs> about there's bias, there's this thing's overpowered, this tank is, is too strong, you know, gaijin this, gaijin that. But ultimately, I think it's it's not, you know, it's not what happens to you, it's how you deal with it. You know, it's how, yep. what, what your reaction is. And like, I always think, you know, and, and it goes back to that old old adage of if you're going through hell, keep going because mm-hmm. you're going to have these moments. And for me, you know, if I had a bad day yesterday, what I said to myself is, look, you had a bad day. You weren't productive. You didn't do shit. You know what? You know, I'll read 20 pages of a book. I'll go to sleep and I've I've done progress. That's even if I just read 20, 20 words from one page, I've, I've made some progress. And because I try to look at it from a very like a finance standpoint, you know, compounding interest, you know, uh, you know, if if you were to put one euro or dollar or pound or whatever into your bank every single day, eventually that's going to start, that pile is going to start getting bigger and eventually you'll be like, okay, you know what, let me put two every day, let me put three, let me put 10, let me put 100. And I think the same it is with your, with your mind also, you know, nowadays we live in this time where everything is, is immediate. You know, hey, mum, give me your credit card so I can buy the new shiniest tank in Waltham so I can I can be the best player. And then you do that and you realize, well, I'm not actually any better than I was. Um, oh, no, I'm feeling, you know, low in energy. Let me go watch TikTok for a bit. Um, I want to have a beach body, but I want to have it in a week. Not going to happen, Sunshine. Generation of instant gratification. Yeah, and it's the same with, with mental health because we feel like, oh, I'm having a bad time right now. I want to feel on cloud nine tomorrow and in a couple of minutes it could be a long time you know i'm sure for you you know this this went on for weeks months could have gone on for years if you stayed in america potentially Um, and it would have probably led to your detriment if you didn't find some some solution right but the way that you were able to return back to your home country um found your purpose in the military you know that's something that that you just have to go through you have to go through that that painful process keep going through hell and and you've done so and i'm extremely happy for that and i think also that um that like you said that made you that process made you you and if if we were to go back and take that away from your life you'd be a different person sitting here i don't think you'd be as strong and as as mentally capable um and potentially as happy correct no no i i completely agree and and i think it's it's the you know it's the hard times that that uh, change a person Mm -hmm. like if it was just life on easy mode what's the fun in that you know it's like playing a video game on very hard. When you beat that final boss, you're going to feel much better than if you beat it on easy. So Yeah. And it is, actually speaking of bosses, is a, a brilliant way to, to, to put it. Because if, if you remember any video game you ever played, right? when the boss comes around, the boss is always stronger than you. It's bigger than you. Mm-hmm. It's got more HP than you. It's just, you know, it, the boss is life, essentially. Bosses keep coming. And the only difference is that in video games, we were excited for the boss to come. In life, often than not, you know, we have this... I was writing this excerpt, this this, this essay one day, where I I went through this really interesting breakup. Uh, I'll tell you this story, because you mentioned you went through a breakup. Yours was forced through, through move. Uh, mine, I think, happened because I was lost in life. I was sort of unsure if I want to continue with college or if I want to go into the culinary world or just or just YouTube. And she must have smelled that that insecurity on me and was just like, I'm out of here. And there was this one time where I had a moment. I, I was tripping. I was really drugged up. And I had the, the worst like sort of anxiety attack of my life. Uh, where I couldn't, I couldn't look my mother into the face. I could, you know, Cartoon Network. You got a couple of characters where the camera only pans up to their neck. I was in that state, 
And I don't know what happened, but I believe that my, my girlfriend at the time, we were still together, sent me a text. This was a couple of months before she broke up with me. And this text was, it was a very simple text. It was one of those moments where you just have to go and reply, and then you can go back to sleeping, drinking, partying, whatever you're doing, you know, tripping, doesn't matter. But for some reason, as soon as I opened up, I think it was Facebook, I couldn't remember her name, couldn't remember my name, didn't know what I was doing. It was, it was a real, real bad case of an anxiety attack, which I think has its core in, you know, your mental state being sort of broken, not having your foundation set in life. And the way that I explained it to myself, it, it felt like a boss fight. It felt like this woman that I was dating at the time was a boss. And I walked into this boss completely unprepared. My inventory empty, my weapons degraded, you know, nothing, no potions, no food. And you're just standing there and this giant behemoth, this cloud, this, this monstrosity is staring you down and you have no way to defend against it. And I think that's what for most people the depression or the feeling of depression feels like it's the it's the hopelessness it's the feeling of shit why didn't i you know do the checkpoint couple of couple of caves back or whatever it was why didn't i stop at the trader why didn't i stock up on on, on the food why didn't i you know go to sleep and do this thing tomorrow like now i'm stuck here it's two in the morning and i've got to do this boss and if i don't do it I'll, the game's over and i got to start from the beginning and you know it's Essentially, I think it's the six P's. It says piss, poor preparation, something like that. Poor preparation, like, I'll I'll think of it later down the line, but essentially if you don't prepare, you know, you're going to have consequences to deal with. And it's it's good for both of us that we went through this state relatively early in our lives. I think for some people it happens later. They go through uh, these challenging breakups way later in life. They go through challenging situations in life later. And I think... A lot of the times they're not adept to it. You know, as a kid, yep. you probably put your hand onto a, a coal or a burning stove and you burnt yourself and you're like, okay, fire, hot, let me not do it. Some people don't do that until their teenage years. And then I think sometimes it's better to get burned very early, you know, because a kid's brain, we learn quickly, we heal quickly, you know, and we love doing dumb shit. I mean, kids will eat dirt and, and <laughs> crash from their bikes, you know, and <laughs> fall in love and do dumb things like that. Well, so. That's- I completely forgot what I was about to ask you, but um, well, so, let me ask you a question then. Uh, okay, fair enough. What what made you go into the into the culinary, uh, um, I guess, area of, of the world? Essentially, what, what sparked your interest? Yeah, um, at the time I was studying geography and pedagogy. Now I liked geography; it was an interesting subject to me, but pedagogy was just disastrous. It was it was me four gay dudes and a classroom full of women and the majority of them I, I would never want to teach kids and yet that's exactly what they're going to do and it was sort of frightening me but this is the girl that was my boss fight um, I was dating her and she was working in this vegan b- bistro kind of thing and I I had an exam in geography that I had to pass in order to get to the next year and there was a prerequisite for this exam right? this short exam thingy Half the class didn't do the thing. We just all failed, you know. And you failed the first time, failed the second time, failed the third time. And I was like, fuck this shit. I'm just, I'm just, I'm done with this college. I'm not going back to it. And at the time, what my girlfriend did is she said, I'm going to, um, I'm going to get status, status of being a student. So she's going to enroll, pay for college somewhere, but she's not actually going to be going there. You know, it was one of those paid, paid kind of scammy 
whatever <laughs> you're basically i'm not you're not stealing from the country but you're uh you're you're in this gray area in the system and she was going to do that. In the meantime, she's going to work as a student in this in this catering place and this this food court or whatever, the vegan bistro. And I thought this is a pretty good idea. Let me let me do something similar. Let me also try one year just being in the culinary world to see if this actually would interest me. Uh, but unfortunately, none of the actual colleges were open, and I wasn't going to do the thing she did because I'm not a scammy. So I actually enrolled into a, um, it's a higher vocational college for tourism and hospitality. Okay. And it was, it was in, um, it was in a, in a town, I think 60 kilometers away from, from the capital. So I was really confused. I was like, am I going to drive there? Am I going to get an apartment? Turns out driving there with my car is faster than taking the bus from where I live to the, to the capital center, which it was like, to me, it was mind blowing. You know, I would be leaving the capital in the morning and all the people were going into the into the capital so i was i was looking at you know just congestion for miles and miles on the other side just and i've got empty roads and on the way back the exact same story so and then covid came and and we actually had remote class which wasn't that good but because i was paying for um for my my tuition or whatever you call it i didn't actually have to attend most of it so my life was just riding bikes and having a good time <laughs> But what happened was that I, I really enjoyed what we were doing there. I enjoyed the the kind of story they were trying to tell, and then I started working in this one company, um, and as I met more people, you know, I met people from the Balkans, Bosnians, Serbians, Albanians, Macedonians. My mind was conditioned from an early age these people are lazy these people are weird these people are not to be trusted these people are the the pakistanis on the road looking at you weirdly and you think oh they're just gonna steal my shit um but it turns out they were the nicest people and i loved working with them and there was an energy around them that made me just want to be that there was a camaraderie the way you have it in the military it, it was there because you're sweating after 12 hours there's shitloads of orders tickets are coming in it's a, it's a stressful world and essentially you are soldiers on the front line there's you know people people need to eat the the food has to go out has to be consistent has to be has to be a, a certain quality level and i fell in love partially with with what we were doing but unfortunately to my detriment of course the 12 hour shifts you're working weekends you're working holidays and what boiled down was that i asked myself when I was at my lowest point, I remember this, I took out a notebook and I wrote down a very simple question that is, what are you good at? And I realized that I was, it's not that I'm not good at cooking, I'm good at leading, I'm good at managing, but I'm good at English, I'm good at talking to people, I feel like I'm good at conversing and I also enjoy doing it. Can I do that in a kitchen environment? I don't think you can. And that's where my sort of search for life happened again, where I said, where do you want to be? You know. And I think that question has to be asked early on. Obviously, you won't be able to answer it between, I think, before you're 25, because you're not really thinking about those things. But when the questions of family, long-term career, um, you know, security, what country you want to live in, where do you want to have a home, what kind of home do you want to have, with whom you want to build this, that's when, when you start to really think of the important bits. And when I started thinking more about family, because I was actually forced in a similar way that you, know, you had to leave your girlfriend in... 2017 2015 right in in sweden because you were departing i had to leave a girl that i was dating last year because i was like this is not working out we're long distance 
we're not spending time that would be quality time i'm stressed out i don't get to develop my my projects this thing with doom time would have never happened if i stayed in the culinary world unfortunately now do i miss it i do and i think in the long term with the career that i want to go into which is very movable you know remote work um, running lots of different things i'd love to go for one day in a month and work in a kitchen i'd love to just join the camaraderie you know go go into a march you know one time because it is it is a fun environment it's a challenging environment but i don't see myself reaching my potential in that industry um, without sacrificing too much but what it has done to me is it's given me so much respect for the people that do you know and so i also have respect for for people who work in the army because it's, it's the same type of thing i have respect for people working in retail like you one day did um you know i no longer look down on people just because it's like oh there's a cashier in a store and you think oh you know she's she's just a useless person she's a robot she could be you can be replaced by by ai or whatever it's like no every job is a respectable job you know and to get to that acknowledgement i think you have to go and do those jobs and there's nothing nothing low about it there's nothing disrespectful about it you know yeah and i think you bring up a very important part there because I, I don't think you get that insight until you actually stand there yourself. Just like you said, like you like you don't really understand the hardship and like how how rough it can be until you're actually in that spot yourself. And then all of a sudden, like everything just opens up. You're like, holy shit, I have never like experienced this much yeah. uh, respect for for a line of work before. Um, it was similar to when I was uh, when I was working. Um, uh, I was I was working at McDonald's at the most busy place here in. Uh, in, in Gothenburg um, years back um, and I was working at the like at the cashier um, and you know I, I was always working weekends from like 12 to 6 like at, at night um, and the stuff that you had to like go through as a cashier is like it's unbelievable like people will be like that you will have fist fights right in front of you people would throw cheeseburgers across the room you were just like what the hell is happening here um, but you don't really realize how like, because when you're standing in line and something like that happens, you can like, oh shit, okay, that happened. But when you're standing as a cashier, like in like in the front, like having to meet that uh, enemy, if you will, mm -hmm. you don't realize how hard that is until you actually stand there yourself. And I think a lot of people need to have that kind of um, um, like I call it, like aha kind of experience. Like, oh shit, that's this is real. Like, this is harder than what I thought. I'm more stressful than I thought. It takes more energy than you thought. Um, and I think a lot of more, a lot more people need to go through um, something that y you and I have done uh, without like like being too like boasty about it. But I, I think I think it teaches a lot of people a valuable lesson. No, I think a lot of people are disconnected from it. I've I've noticed a yep. lot, especially you know very academic people, because mm -hmm. they'll go through high school or or as we say gymnasium, where you essentially you get some some generic knowledge. Then they go into college, and um, especially I think women nowadays, they're reaching a high level of uh, master's degrees, which is I think for every 100 women, there's only 73 men that get a master's degree. And by the time they finish them, they're usually the ages of like, you know, 27 to 29, some do it even later. And they basically exit the world prepared to immediately get into a job which is supposed to be some you know, relaxing office job. I'm not doing that much work. I'm doing a little bit of research and some, I don't know, biology or whatever. And 
they're, they're prepared to start a family. They're prepared to just jump into there and just live a happy life with a man who's already got everything set up. But chances are there could be a, a dude at the same age who's, you know, who's doing one of those quote-unquote shitty jobs because he is still building the ground on which he has to stand because these jobs are the most important ones. I saw there was a, I follow an English, uh, what is it, an English teaching Facebook page, which is for people, they ask simple questions. They ask questions like, um, you know, what verb gets inserted here and they'll have like three different options. And it was just today I opened up Facebook by accident and somebody asked, which of these three professions is the most important one? And it was doctor, something else, and farmer. And you think about it and it's like, a doctor is pretty important, but the doctor dead if you don't have the farmer, you know? And for most people, being a farmer is not some respectable job, but like, dude, if you don't have the farmer, you don't have the doctor, so. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's, for me, this ties back, you know, when I asked that question about how to sell me military, as in like, I'm, I'm a little bit not that buying into it beyond the discipline point of view. That's what I saw with, with the culinary world as, you know, working as a waiter or working as a cook as I did. I think people should be forced to do that the way it used to be to go into the army, you know, compulsory. They should go into these jobs, do them for a month, just so they get the 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 view. And I think it would make everything better. I think it would make uh, the experience of those who still work there much more enjoyable because you'd actually understand. When I go into a restaurant now and somebody screws up an order or they, they're late with the food, something goes bad, I'm like, dude, don't worry about it. I get it. You need help? Dude, I'll, 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 you know, I'll, get, I'll get back there. I'll help you do it. Like, and they, they feel the energy and it, it relaxes them. You know? And then you, you thank them and you leave them a tip. No problem. Uh, but people, people lack that, that wide lens view. They, they, lack the, they lack the vision that those people on the other side, they're not your slaves. They're not some, some you know, dumb person. Uh, they're people just like you and I, and they're just trying to make a living. And it could be that that's something that she enjoyed doing, and they would enjoy doing it more, and they would do it better if you didn't give them shit for it every single day. Yep, it's it's all about perspective, really. Yeah. Have you ever done any any job besides retail? Uh, so you said you said you did retail, you did McDonald's, you mentioned now you worked as a teacher. You've yep. really done a, 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 a wide spectrum of things. Among others, you've also done YouTube. How do you yep. how do you view that? I was going to say this because obviously during the time that I was uh, that I would suggest for people to do these jobs, it was when I was doing YouTube. YouTube was like my escape from the shitty job. Like instead of me having to work at McDonald's, let me go and do YouTube. But that itself is also a hard job. I mean, people mm -hmm. people look at YouTubers and they think. You know, ah, influencers, like, ah, there's no work here. Like, they just play video games all day long, but they don't see the hours that you put into mm -hmm. it. Um, obviously, you didn't, as, to my knowledge, build a, a, a blasting career out of it, but you were doing it as a, as a part-time thing. It was a hobby. You, you had fun. You probably made a couple of dollars here and then. How, how do you view YouTube as a, as a source of income or a source of making cash? I think it's a fully valid way of doing it. I, I think... Once again, it's all—it's all about the perspective. Like, like you said, I've—I've I've never been on the uh, huge receiving end of of gaining money uh, on on YouTube. Twitch was more my thing, and it worked pretty well there. But but uh, the whole content creation um, phenomenon, I guess, um, of like earning money that way, I think is a very valid, just like really any other of, of way of of uh, being paid. 
I think the reason a lot of people just don't uh, see it as a real thing is one because they don't have its perspective uh, like of it because they know, they don't know what happens behind the scenes and two that it's new. Uh, in general, people are afraid of new things, um, and I think that plays a big role uh, into think like illegit what's, what's the word illegitimizing like making it not as worth as it might actually be, mm. um, especially coming from people like 30 and above. I'm not saying like everyone our age is like super welcoming, but but I think in general, 30 and above are more skeptical towards um, media content creation uh, than than what younger people are because it's more of a normal thing nowadays. Um, so I absolutely, if, if someone can make a living by doing videos that they enjoy doing, you know, hats off. Like if you found your way of, of going on in life, that's perfect. I'm happy for you. Yeah. Regardless of what that may be. I absolutely agree. Because one of the biggest things that I ended up getting from YouTube wasn't the video editing or the, the, the cash or the influence or anything. It was actually, particularly for me, the English. It was this ability to, to talk. Whereas before I was just a shy person. You know, I wouldn't dare to just... just and th I mean, essentially what I'm doing right now, what we're doing is we're talking. We're strangers, right? I mean, because by all means and regularities, we've never met each other. We know very little of each other. So this should be a very awkward encounter. This should be, you know by all requisites, a really weird thing to do. And yet we both feel comfy. We feel like we're sitting in the same room, we're talking about the same topics, having a good time. And I think people, you know, the, the, the 30 and above, the boomers, they, they view YouTube in this weird way, um, which I, I will never fully understand. Um, perhaps is the way that I view TikTok. You know, maybe it's just an age thing. But... I, I, I once said this as, as a kid, you know, YouTube and what was happening, it was like a bunch of us kids were on this playground and there's a fence, a wooden fence, like from a from a you know Tom and Jerry cartoon. And you can see there's something happening on the other side. The neighbors are having a party. There's a YouTube party going there. And all the kids will run to the fence and they'll stare at the little holes and you know they, they'll they'll see some of it. But those of us who did YouTube, we sort of took a couple of steps back and we got ourselves a crate or a box or something to stand on and we brought it to the fence and we climbed on top and we had a look over the fence and we we're like holy shit there's a whole world out there there's all this money there's all these things like the possibilities and for me I still have that hunger in me that's something I was never able to fully remove because I was able to take you know my channel high enough to the point where it was making sufficient money where you could you could live from it and I think to to combine that, as you mentioned, to create something that you enjoy making, which I think for, for most of us, especially for, for men, I think for a, a man to be content is give him a challenge, give him a problem to solve. That's how I feel about it. It's like that's what the cure for male depression should be. You know, give a man a problem and let him solve it, right? Leave the emotion bits to, to women leave that thing there I don't I don't need it it's good to feel loved but I think what I feel more is I want to feel powerful with myself that's why you know you know when I was happiest it was two in the morning and I just just managed to put together something in in Adobe After Effects which I've never used and I had to go and learn it from scratch Google it YouTube it find the the, the files do it in Photoshop import it edit it and when it came out and you're looking at it, you're like, wow, I made this. And I went to bed and I slept like a baby. Um, and if I didn't go through those hardships with YouTube, I don't think 
there's no bloody way I would have been open to to all the other things that the world offers. And so now, and and I'll I'll say this for the world, for anybody who's listening or watching on YouTube is, there's a reason there's that Jim Carrey movie. Say yes to everything. Like just try it. Say yes to those opportunities. Say yes to those dates you think are going to be bad. Say yes to that job interview that, that you don't really care about. Because you never know who you're going to meet, what kind of chance you're going to get, what skills you're going to develop. And worst case, worst case, you'll go to America for a year or two. You'll come back and you'll think, yeah, it was bad, but I don't regret trying it. And I think that that's what Amen, it, brother. I think that's what it boils down to is you know taking those shots. Because I know years back, I was thinking, oh, maybe I should start a YouTube channel. And I can't imagine how regretful I would be if I was sitting here today and I didn't get to try that. It's not to it's say... It's a thought of what if. I think that's, those are the most painful thoughts, are the what yeah. if. Because you, you're just never going to know. You know, rejection still hurts way less than regret. Way, yeah, yeah, correct. <laughs> rejection hurts less than regret, right? It's better yeah, for you to absolutely. get a no and a fuck off. I don't care about you. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to have anything to do with you. We're not giving you the job. Like, because yeah. you know, yeah, because you know, because you were there, because you you had the cojones, the balls to go in there and, and and challenge the world essentially, challenge that, you know, like I said, the bitch that's th throwing stuff at you twenty four seven. You you were able to stand there and just shield it and just push through, and and you you came out on top. A good feeling. Yeah. I think it's time for us to wrap this one up because you, you have things to do. I've got things to do. This was this was such a wonderful way to catch up. Um, yeah. For sure, I'm going to have you back on here, and uh, and we'll we'll catch up again. That's the whole Absolutely. the whole spirit of it. And uh, till next time, take care and uh, safe flying. <laughs>